OHL Hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Boat Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. Well, I guess I'm going to have to change my ongoing statements about not being able to sleep well on the bus because we finally had a road trip, such as it was, a three-hour trip down the 401 to Windsor. And I'm pretty sure I slept for two hours and 48 minutes of it. There might have been some snoring. No way. No, there wasn't. I'm just kidding. <sighs> Thank goodness. If that ever happens <laughs> on the bus, I want an elbow in the ribs. I wouldn't do that. If it got to the point that other people could hear you, then I might do it for you. Just give you a little, hey, you're snoring. You want to go back to bed? Since you brought it up, my former broadcast partner, Mike Torquia, like a champ. And there were times on the bus, he's just given her and other people are looking at me. I'm like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I mean, do you want to wake the bear? He's a teddy bear. But I don't want to bother the guy. Clearly, he's enjoying his sleep. He is a teddy bear. That's a very good way of putting it when talking about him. I I still, because I'm in the aisle, I can't do it. My neck hurts the next day so bad, it's just not worth it to me. I'll just be tired. I'll suck it up. I guess I didn't have a choice. And I thought I might have the sore neck, but everything was just fine. On such a short trip, I was a little surprised. But then I thought about it. I thought, okay, hang on a second here. Because the night before... The Kitchener Rangers had the tribute to Don Cameron before the game, and that was quite the ceremony. And, you know, even the OHL posted something on its website for the ceremony, which is great because a, a guy doesn't do 55 years in this game and call more than 4,000 games without being recognized somewhere for the accomplishment yeah. of doing so. Uh, but you, in true Don Cameron fashion, well, Don didn't necessarily do this, but you thought that it would be appropriate that after the game, we toast the legend that was Don Cameron. And why not? Why, and what better way to do it, as he once so eloquently put, that what, what was the line that they, uh, they need this, a... This, this power play needs a shot of something. A shot of something. Maybe single malt. Yeah, so yeah. why not a nice single malt to salute Don Cameron after the game? I grabbed Gary Doyle and made sure he came up to the box, and we just had a quick one. And then you left me with one for my post-game show, well. <laughs> which I got to say was appreciated because every once in a while, I think I need a little nip during yeah. the post-game show. And then I went home and I had already intended to salute Don myself and have a couple ounces, as Don would say. So I'm not saying I was feeling it on Saturday. I'm just saying that by the time the trip came along, I was ready for a nap. And clearly I took advantage of that trip down the 401. Well, we had a back and forth on Twitter where it was talked about bring family and scotch to the game. And uh, I made sure... You said, or I said, I'll bring the, the scotch, you bring the family. Worked you, out. You brought the family, and I figured <laughs> I had to hold up my end. In the interests of full disclosure and transparency, which is what the Farwell and Pope podcast is all about. You love that word, eh? Transparency. I do like that word a lot. <laughs> We're waiting for more of it from the OHL, but that's a whole other story. Just, just post some suspensions. Real quick, we didn't talk about talking about this. Owen Tippett gets suspended indefinitely. And nobody has any idea until we're recording this Thursday night until he goes to play tonight and he's not on the lineup. And then you go to the OHL website and it says indefinitely. It doesn't even say why. People that cover this league are tweeting about it tonight asking why has he been suspended? It's because, I guess, of a head check, reportedly, is what some people are saying. But how do you not be a little more transparent about something like that? This is 
one of the things that has been lacking in this league that you and I have been harping on for a little while now. And if we extend this into the National Hockey League, which I intended to on this podcast anyway, Tom Wilson, 20 games for his check to the head, National Hockey League. Tom Wilson played that same way, that same brand of hockey when he was a Plymouth Whaler. And I remember the seven-game knock him down, drag him out playoff series between the Rangers and the Whalers. That would have been 2011-12, I'm pretty sure. It could have been 12-13, but I'm pretty sure this one was the 11-12 series. Anyway, and Tom Wilson is that kind of player. And when I say that kind of player, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying a dirty player per se. I'm saying the player that always kind of walked that line. He plays the game tough. The problem is, especially for a guy like Tom Wilson, is that line has moved even more towards the ultimate protection of the player, and Tom hasn't moved with it. No, that suspension that he's on right now, the 20-gamer, that was a blatant blindside hit, right? That's the, he's coming back into the zone. I understand that as the, the guy who he hit shouldn't be cutting through the middle like that, but the puck was gone. And all of a sudden, he comes from the blind side. That's the hit that you, they have to get out of the game. But when you show the video, and we've all seen it how many times now, yep. so you know what the hit was, what the result of the hit was, 20-game suspension, now you are sending the very clear message, if you do this, you will get that. So Owen Tippett, what do, how do we know what it was that he did to earn the indefinite suspension. My question is, and I don't think there's an answer, and I don't know if you'd have one, but you would know better than me. The question I always have is why. Why are are they not more transparent? Why don't they show us and explain why people have been suspended on a routine basis? And we talked about it last time, I believe. Why don't they have a database of draft picks? Like, why are they not allowing fans of this league to be more integrated in it. That's a great point about not sharing these things on a routine basis because we will get, in fact, we see things from the OHL very much like the old Brendan Shanahan videos in the NHL explaining very clearly why the punishment was doled out the way that it was. We just don't see it on a regular enough basis, at least for my liking in the Ontario Hockey League. And I would suspect, Chris, that most of the reason for that is resources. How many games, particularly if the game in question was in Mississauga, do you have video? What quality is the video? And how many people are involved in the moving parts to get whatever video you need from wherever this game was played back to the league office to put something together and it becomes a bit of a staffing issue? I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm guessing as to why it might take a while. With every team in this league still having a television broadcast, and it being streamed on the OHL website, and I know there's a lot of people upset of the quality of that streaming, and especially this year, there's a lot more uh, talk online about how bad some of the streaming is, but still, it's being streamed. It can't take that long, because you, you're going to have to go back and take a look at it anyway. They're probably using that video to make the decision on the suspension. Grab a quick clip, toss it up with the tweet. I'm, it, you, like The league is big enough and important enough that if it wants people... To be a fan of this league and pay the prices of tickets to go and watch and support this league, there has to be that level of transparency, and I don't think it can take that much to have a person, your social media person, grab a clip, 10 seconds, you don't need to see the whole thing, throw it up with the clip, with the tweet. or the. And some people, sometimes there's not even a tweet. 
It can't be that difficult. That's We got sidetracked, but I mean... I want to argue with you. I really do, but I can't. I know. How many times have we seen teams have video in hand or a disc in hand or something that's already been sent to the league by the time you're doing a post-game interview with the coach? Almost routinely. Right. So clearly those clips are available. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you, you're right. We did get sidetracked because this all started with transparency. Yeah. And in the interests of that, because the Farwell and Pope podcast is all about transparency. And we had been talking about Don Cameron night at the odd and what a great ceremony it was. And, you know, call me biased, but tremendously classy by the Kitchener Rangers with the ceremony they put on. And while we're at it, to the Ottawa 67s as well. To a player, forget the coaching staff, not to take away from them, but the adults in the room, but the, these players stood out there on that blue line through the entire ceremony, uh, stick-tapped when appropriate, and just, I thought, really brought the same level of class to their participation in the ceremony. Uh, but if you go back to you bringing the, the scotch to kind of toast Don at the end of the night, there was a time where... I thought that it was going to be Don's last season. And I, I mean, I'd been around Don a lot. We were pretty close. And I thought, geez, I'm picking up little hints and he's, he's going to call it. And so I took a bottle of scotch, well, a flax, a flask of scotch with me to the final game. It happened to be a game in London. And I, I ran and as, as it was cut winding down and we knew this was the end of the Rangers season that year, I ran out of the booth and there was a beer station just outside, and I had a couple of red Solo cups, and I asked for some ice because Don always liked a little bit of ice with his scotch. And I put some ice in the cups, and I went back in the booth, and I poured us a little bit of scotch out of the flask, and we toasted the season. And then, of course, the son of a gun came back for another season. So by that <laughs> point, I'm like, well, now you know this has just become a tradition, and so when it's the last game, we always had a little bit. We did that three seasons in a <laughs> three row seasons in before a row. he finally, quote-unquote, stepped away he never retired, but that's what we did for a few seasons, and I don't think that's necessarily, uh, well, it's not entirely legal, I suppose, especially in this industry, but that's what I did. I think it's very fitting that we have, or that we had a nice, it wasn't a lot of scotch, it was like one and yeah, a half figures. It's, it's nothing. It, um, a nice way to, to toast a man and a great ceremony that, as you mentioned, the Rangers put on, you know, being on the broadcast and watching you guys lift that banner to the rafters. It was emotional, but it was fitting. I said, you know, he, he goes where he's always belonged, right? Up in the rafters forever with this team. You know, the only person in 55 years to have a link to every Kitchener Ranger ever. Ever. That's, that's insane when you think about it. It really is. It's insane. It really is. So if you didn't have the privilege and pleasure of hearing Don Cameron at any point during his career, just so you know it's not a well-kept secret in Kitchener, which I know it's not, but we put together uh, just a, a small little highlight reel, and thanks to producer Polly for weaving this together, some of Don's memorable calls from over the years so that you two can enjoy a little bit that was the classic sound of Don Cameron calling a Kitchener Rangers game. Trying to catch it is Massioli. Here's a chance for... McKinnon, McKinnon puts it down low for Kelly. Kelly rolls it in front. There's a chance to shut the set. The rebound, another whack at it. They whack away. They oh, my. A three-on-two rush. Bellows hits the line. Getting over the line. Closing it. He shoots it at the goalpost. The rebound. They score. Labber. As the Vita wanted again to Halischuk. Halischuk waits. 
Waits, slides it down low again. Here's in front to tap it in! Alice Scott! Here's Tobias uh, Reeder taking it over the line. Reeder with a backhander. That's bobbled by goaltender Maverick Parks. The rebound scores! Landeskog puts the Rangers on the board. One to nothing. McGinnis, yeah, he's moving back in a more let's start this rush out kind of thing. Leading the way now is Frank Hora to McGinnis. He gets it over the line now to Mashkin. Mashkin across ice. Broken up, but the Rangers keep it in. Back it comes out of Mashkin at the line. He's got the great shot. Decides to go across ice. It goes! Ryan McGinnis from a favorite spot for him right now gives the Rangers a one to nothing lead. Here come the Greyhounds. McLean has it. McLean gets it in front. Oh, what a save by goaltender Eunice. The Spokane Chiefs, they prevailed. They went 4-0 in this competition. Oh, my God, they did drop it. Oh, my goodness, they dropped it, and they they did indeed break it. They did in... <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sorry for that exclamatory remark there's still some pieces on the ice uh, so I, I think the luck on the on the two faces of those uh, the captain and who is the other one with him I'm trying to pick up his number turn around please just a little bit only Don would apologize for the exclamatory remark that was Oh, my God. <laughs> Only Don Cameron would apologize for that. Isn't that the best? <laughs> I love it. He drops it, and, all of a sudden, and you could tell he knew right away. Oh, He's yeah. like, oh, I, was, I shouldn't have said that. I was standing beside him when that happened. This was the 08 Memorial Cup hosted by Kitchener, and I was doing games on TV at the time, not radio yet, but I would do a post-game radio show. So during the Memorial Cup, of course, our friends from Sportsnet are in doing the games, so I have nothing to do except watch the game from the press box, and then I would sneak over to the radio booth to set up for the radio post-game show. And so I'm standing beside Don as he's finishing off and talking about the ceremony and this and that out on the ice. And I remember, oh my God, he was legitimately surprised. And of course, it turns out that it wasn't necessarily that Spokane dropped the cup. It's that the cup fell apart in their hands. But anyway, great, great man, great ceremony. And uh, it was very fitting for him. As we mentioned, he had a a link to every Kitchen to Ranger, and obviously, obviously with his passing, that stops this year. Uh, the Rangers making a trade this week. Uh, you were actually at the odd as news came down. Yeah, it was it was weird. I mean, timing just worked out to be the way that it was, but there was an open OA spot, or pardon me, an import spot on the team after the Rangers learned that Axel Anderson was going to stay home and play hockey. And all of a sudden, not something I had heard was even in the mix, was Alexei Lipinov is acquired from the Sudbury Wolves. You'll remember Lipinoff went to Sudbury last year in a trade with Barry when Barry acquired Dmitry Sokolov. Uh, anyway, not bad numbers, 14 and 25, 39 points over 55 games a season ago. But moreover, when you look at the Kitchener Rangers now, what you are left with, because Lipinoff will play center, you've got Riley Damiani, Greg Morellis, Alexei Lipinoff, and Michael Patizian down the middle. That's not too bad. Not a bad center crew at all. It it allows, you know, anytime you, you bring in a guy like this, third rounder to Tampa, it, it shifts everyone down a spot, right, which provides more depth. And when you have a team like the Rangers that are built around that depth, that want to come at you in waves, all four lines that we've seen in the first three games of this season, 
it's only going to benefit you, right? And it adds to that offense, and it's going to need to add to that offense because they're shifting, it seems right now anyway, they're going to shift Joseph Greffa back to defense. Well, and at least in a trial basis. Right. So final point on Lipinoff, because he plays in the East, we don't see as much of him. So we're looking around for as much information as we can consume on him. But the hockey news, so this is the hockey news, not Farwell and Pope, but the hockey news says there's a little bit of Jonathan Taves in Alexei Lipinoff. I know, I see, I just saw your, yeah. whoa, what? Yeah, that's what the hockey the news. throwback. Exactly, that's what the hockey news had been saying. But you're right, Joe Gareffa drops back to, I want to say his natural defensive position, because that's what Joe played growing up until his draft year into the OHL. So he's a 15-year-old, he moves up to forward, he gets picked by the Kitchener Rangers, the rest, as you know, is history. Former Rangers head coach Mike Van Ryan used to call Joey the human jackknife Mm -hmm. because he's just wherever you need him, he will be. I got a chance to talk to Joey today while I was at the rink as well as the Lipinoff news came down. And he'll flat out tell you, he admits it, he would rather play defense. That's where he prefers to be. And if you think about it, Joe has been to two NHL camps as an invite. Florida, Toronto. And what position did he play at those NHL camps? Defense. There you go. Right? It's where teams at that next level envision him playing. And it's where he wants to play. And it's where I think he's better suited to play. He's a much better player when he has the puck on his stick. And when he plays defense, it just seems that he has the puck on his stick more often. Like, we we saw it in one of the home games uh, early this season where I just laughed. I, I didn't even, I didn't want to, and I maybe shouldn't have. But he pulled a little head fake in the neutral zone and sent the defender backwards, like on his butt. And it was just a little head fake because Joe was coming at him so quick and the guy couldn't react. And I started laughing. Like, that's what he can bring to you, the ability to create offense. So the offense is odd. Like, it sounds odd to say, but the offense becomes better by moving Graffa to defense. He can create more off the rush through the neutral zone, get that zone entry a lot better than when he gets the puck flat-footed in the neutral zone after on a first pass from a defenseman. And it really adds another element. It makes teams on their, or it puts teams on their heels in the neutral zone. And then they're forced to now have to back check Joe, who's on a rush. I really like the move. I don't know how long it'll last, but I like it. Two thirds, a 2021 and a 2022. Uh, One was Oshawa's, one was Kingston's, if you keep track of these things, went to Sudbury in the deal. And one of them now goes to Barry as the supplemental conditional pick in that deal that brought Lipinov to Sudbury. He was in Barry. He had 30 points in 35 games with the Colts. Obviously a much better team than Sudbury last year. He only had 9-20 after making the trip up north. Somebody call Herbie Morrell at the OHL office and tell him to post all of this online so we can follow the bouncing draft pick. Well, that would be around. transparency. Right. Don't want to have that. <laughs> um, what do you think of Luke Richardson? What do I think of Luke Richardson? My How goodness gracious. I, I think I, I put it in a tweet uh, at Farwell underscore OHL when he was named the CHL's goaltender of the week, and rightly so. Uh, three games played, four goals against, a save percentage. I, I'm going off the top of my head here, but 947 I think is where he was at. It's ridiculous, all of it. And in my tweet I said, have you seen Luke Richardson's numbers? Yeah, me either. I didn't have a magnifying glass. Like, they are teeny <laughs> tiny right now. That's pretty good. That's not bad. I like that It's one. early season. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll, work, you know, I'll work up from there. He's been nothing short of fantastic early on. And as, as Jay 
head coach Jay McKee said, you know, he was the guy again in Windsor, and he's been the guy. He's held them in there numerous times. And when you have that type of goaltending early on with, a, as we mentioned, a lot of youngsters on the Rangers team, it's only going to benefit them moving forward. We should do the quick tangent here and go back to Joe Gareffa for okay. just a minute because one of the key elements of this podcast is to take you on the road with us. And so by the time I finally woke up on that road trip on Saturday, we were into Windsor essentially, pretty much off the highway. And there's always a stop at a Tim Hortons before we go to the rink. And the beauty of Windsor is it's essentially across the street, but not this time because that particular Tim Hortons is either closed for good or under renovation. It looks like it was being renovated. Either way, we couldn't stop at the usual one. And that, that sent Joey G into some kind of storytelling. Man, I was howling. It was just as your nap was finishing up, and he starts talking. All the, all the ro- Joe sits right behind the rookies, if we can say that. Sits right behind the rookies. And a lot of the rookies talk to Joe because he knows so much. He's so plugged into the league. He's so plugged into people that aren't even in the league. They were asking Joe, where was that guy that was taken and didn't report? Where's he playing out? Joe knows like that. Nothing. So then he starts talking about how good this Tim Hortons was. About, and then it leads into the fastest Tim Hortons in the league, and he starts <laughs> ranking them. <laughs> it was just outstanding. You could you could hear the excitement and almost awe of some of the rookies' voices. Like, what is this guy talking about? It was great. You got to give them an education this past weekend when we were on the road about the Tim Hortons in the league that moved the quickest. Are these important things that you've picked up over your time? Yeah, you know, sometimes when you've been, you know, your fourth year now, you kind of pick up on, on small things, you know, that. And uh, so I, I kind of do like a, what Tim Hortons is the fastest that we go to pregame. And right now, I think it's only sounds pretty pretty quick. I think that, that, that has to be the fastest one. Uh, you know, there's a couple really slow ones and all that. But you no, know, Owen Sound, they, they, they're, they're doing something right there, that Tim Hortons. Does it throw you off? We got to Windsor, and the usual Tim Hortons was closed for renovations. Does that throw you off pregame? Well, it does, because, you know, you don't know. Usually that one's not too bad, right? So now you don't know. You're going to the unknown there far as, you know, you don't, how slow are they going to be, you know, what's going on here? But, uh, no, nah, that one was pretty good, too. What do you do, Joe, besides hockey? You seem to eat, breathe, sleep this game. What else do you do? Yeah, you know, obviously I watch a lot of hockey. You know, I'm going to go home tonight. Watch the, watch the games and all that. Probably watch Barzell. He's my favorite player out there and all that. But uh, yeah, probably you know I play you know play Xbox and all that. Play FIFA. Play all that. And uh, you know watch some soccer too. Big soccer guy and all that. But you know what? I'm not gonna lie. As far as I'm a big hockey guy, I love watching it. I just you know love watching the Leafs. You know and, and all that. And you know what? I just enjoy it and all that. And you know I don't know what's about it really. I don't know what else to do. Do you think the Leafs have what it takes this year? Yeah, well, they, I think they need Nylander, man. Uh, I'm a big Nylander guy. That guy's a player. So hopefully, hopefully he puts pen to paper soon and uh, get him back with Matthews, get the connection going again. Apparently, Owen Sound deserves a pat on the back yeah. for having the fastest Tim Hortons to serve an OHL hockey team. And Flint has some work to do, <laughs> <laughs> according than, to Joe. And more than just Tim Hortons yeah. when you look at their uh, start to the season. And, so, and if you're curious, he switches up his order. I asked him, I said, is it the same order all the time? Are you one of those guys? He said, no, I switch it up all the time, man. I switch, I switch it up. I switch it up. Of course he does. He switches up everything on the fly. That's how Joe operates. So from the Firebirds start to the season we were just referencing there and how bad that's been, uh, the Kitchener Rangers probably, I, I, I would call game three on the road versus Windsor uh, as a team their poorest effort. Windsor, to me, carried the play most of that night, but Luke Richardson was phenomenal 
And this Kitchener Rangers team, to the surprise of many, I think, is 3-0. and oh. And I think it was you, the way you put it, is you can't win a championship in September, but you can lose one. Mm-hmm. Those six points were on the table, and the Kitchener Rangers went out and got every one of them. Three wins is three wins. I think we should probably, you know, tamper our excitement and realize that it's three games into the season. But they're an exciting team to watch. There's room for growth. And it's three wins. And, you know, prepare yourself because this team's probably going to lose four or five at some point in the season. Right. And this is where, I mean, this is the beauty of fandom. And it's not just in Kitchener. It's everywhere at every level. And the fans will go up that roller coaster with the team thinking this is a bunch of world beaters and we're never going to lose again. And then inevitably, over 68 games or 85 games or 162 games, take your pick, or 82 I should have said, but whatever the length of the particular season is, whatever level the sport is being played at, there's going to be a little bit of a dip. It's very rare you get the consistency that you see, for example, uh, with the Golden State Warriors or the Cleveland Cavaliers in basketball. Those have been pretty special runs. But the Kitchener Rangers are going to find out in the month of October what this is really all about. And there's a lot of hockey to be played, 65 games left in the season. And just to to help put it in perspective uh, a little bit, you'll remember that the London Knights started 1-9 and nine last year. They started 1-9, and nine, and their one win was an overtime win. And they finished fighting for fourth spot in the conference. That's a heck of a turnaround. But it just goes to show, even over 10 games, things change, fortunes change. So I'm not trying to take away from how good the Rangers have been in their first three. I'm just trying to, as you said, temper expectations a little bit here to say, 65 games to go, folks. Long way to go. We're not even... I don't like to judge any team until the quarter point. Give me 17 games, then we can start to, you know, look at as a whole and see what that team is made of. But if you remember, Jay McKee said at the start of the season he thought his team could pick up some wins early on as other teams are still trying to figure out their systems and how their coaches are going to coach them and the players that they have. The Rangers have been lucky enough that they had a bunch of returnees who know the kind of systems Jay likes to play. They had a goalie that played the majority of the year last year, and they had essentially top 4D that were coming back. Like Not their top 4D, but their top 4D this year are returnees and guys that know what Jay wants and what it takes. And when you have that, you have to take advantage of these early starts because, like, like you said, those six points were on the table. They took those six points. Exactly. You don't, get, you don't take them away. They're in your bank account, and they get to stay there. And just to finish off the London point from a season ago, uh, starting 1-9, and nine, and I'm just going to take out the shootout and overtime losses, but starting 1-9, and nine, they finished 39-25. and 25. So they went 38-16. and 16 That's the pretty rest good. Of the way. Right? So, again, it, it's, it's early, but absolutely enjoy it. And, hey, if it gives this team the confidence it needs to build on and pick up wins that maybe uh, you wouldn't expect them to get, great. And it's a hard-working club. I'll give them that. I really like the way this coaching staff has them playing, has them believing. There is uh, an urgency to their game, which I like quite a bit. And if they're going to give you that kind of effort through 60 minutes every night this season, it's going to be fun. We're a little all over the place here, but I just wanted to mention, you mentioned the London Knights. They got shut out tonight by the Windsor Spitfires, who we were talking about. Michael DiPietro, 
earns the shutout. He is now tied for the most shutouts in OHL history. Who is the goaltender he is tied with? Oh my goodness. Most shutouts in OHL history. Yes, sir. Most career OHL shutouts. 16 is the number he is at. And again, game game five of uh, his third season, I think. Yeah. I I know I'm going to know this name. But I'm not. Uh, I'm not you, coming up with it. You will. He okay. used to be a Guelph Storm. Adam Dennis. Nope. He was drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Should mention it's Deep oh. fourth season. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait. Thomas McCollum. Thomas Bram- McCollum. Brampton Battalion prior to the trade to Guelph. Yes. Yes. I, and as soon as you mentioned, he went yeah. Guelph to Brampton. Oh right. No, was it that way? Yeah. Guelph to Brampton. Yeah. But as soon as you mentioned Detroit. I remembered the name very well, and uh, yeah, I mean, he, he seemed to be putting up the goose egg with regularity. It's crazy, but, crazy to think. Yeah, that Di Pietro's already tied, well, and he's still got a season left. While we're on the subject of goaltenders, uh, Sportsnet stats tweeted out this week that John Gibson has the highest save percentage in NHL history among goalies with 100 plus games played. 9.23 through 100-plus games. That goes back to when shots began being tracked back in 55-56. But the bottom line is, John Gibson, uh, a, a relative newcomer in the National Hockey League, is among the very best ever, which, of course, got me thinking about John Gibson as a Kitchener Ranger. Mm-hmm. And for my money, hands down, the best goaltender to ever come through the fine franchise that is the Kitchener Rangers. And that's got 55, 56 years of history to it now. And there were a lot of good goaltenders. You say hands down? Hands down. Really? I I take John Gibson and then there are three other guys that I'm probably going to roll up in a ball or I could put their names into a hat and not argue too much, whichever one you bring out next. But the next three for me. But yeah, John Gibson to me was indisputably the best ever to don a Kitchener Rangers uniform. And then you throw in Don Edwards, who had a pretty nice career with the Buffalo Sabres, Wendell Young, who had a pretty nice career with the Pittsburgh Penguins, and Mike Torquia, who had a really nice junior career, lots of interest at the national level, drafted, of course, by the Dallas Stars and had a cup of coffee in the NHL. But Torquia, Edwards, and Young, to me, are almost interchangeable after John Gibson, although probably because I know him and love him like a brother, I'd give Torch the nod. And also because the the future, like when you look at Edwards and Wendell Young and the NHL careers they had, it kind of clouds how good Torquia was as a junior. Man, oh man, this kid was something else. Anyway, uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. A a franchise that long, that deep, that proud. uh, I, I can pick four. You think you know a guy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's a special story. Uh, Got to give it to Parker Van Buskirk, who, after he graduated out of the Ontario Hockey League, uh, went and played some CIS hockey, which is great. Get your education package. And he was playing for the Windsor Lancers. And even in his Twitter bio, uh, Bussy had written, 
that he's playing now, a former OHL goaltender now playing in the CIS strictly for their no-trade policy (laughs) because he was a well-traveled goaltender. He was a bit of a suitcase, right? But he came to Kitchener in the 08-09 season after the Memorial Cup run of 2008. We just heard that Don Cameron uh, piece of audio earlier in this podcast. And he became a fan favorite and a team favorite and and he was like a he was like a a resurrection project really i don't think anybody expected him to do what he did it was still a non-playoff year for the kitchener rangers but i remember that final game so well and the fans just saluting and anyway he also cleaned up at the team awards that year just a great guy and and he's been Oh, man. The number of stories. He's just been great on social media since he was at Sarnia's Stephen Stamkos night. Yeah. Was that just last year? I think it was just last year. And he had a picture with him and Stamkos. And he was making jokes about how he was the better dressed. They were both wearing vests, but, you know, his looked better than Stamkos's. And anyway, he's got a great sense of humor. So when I tweeted that I think John Gibson is the best goalie to ever play for the Kitchen Rangers, Parker Van Buskirk tweeted me back, said, geez, you think you know a guy. <laughs> Just <laughs> gold. Love Short, yeah. simple, to the point. He's a beauty. Uh, Van Buskirk played in Sarnia, then Saginaw, then Belleville, Belleville. and then 08-09 came to the Kitchen Rangers, put up a record of 20-25-5. and five. Yeah. What was the goals against? Probably around four. Uh, goals against 3.33 okay. and a save percentage of 9.03, that according to the wonderful website HockeyDB. There you go. It's always there for you. Parker also did tell me because he sent me a direct message after we went back and forth a little bit. And I, I claimed, by the way, just to show you how quick he is and how sharp he's stayed, uh, after he tweeted me saying, you think you know somebody, I said back to him, I said, Bussy, it was an accident. My phone was hacked. And he said, yeah, that's what I figured. I already contacted Twitter on your behalf. Like, Love it. Beautiful. 53 games played that year in Kitchen. That's a lot of hockey. 53 to 68, right? Man. And this guy, he was just, a, he was a workhorse and he was fun to be around and there was lots to like about the guy. So he, he messaged me afterwards and said he and some of the guys from his year are planning to get to Kitchener for a game this year. So I said, when you get here, oh, come and say hi. And intermission. Bussy, if you're listening, you're come all on for an intermission. You're all I could use you. Oh, yeah. He's listening because he wants to know if I'm actually now recognizing him as the best goalie in Rangers history. It's up for debate. <laughs> um, what else around the uh, league caught your eye? We wanted to talk a little bit about the Memorial Cup announcement. Yeah. And we just talked about the Rangers coming off their uh, cup run in 08 when they hosted. And there is a return of sorts with uh, the cup being announced for Kelowna in 2020. I am really hoping. Let, let me change. I'm going to go back. Mike McKenzie, if you're listening, please, please go for it in 2020. <laughs> for Farwell and I's sake. That's all. We would love a trip to Kelowna. When I saw that Halifax was the 2019 Memorial Cup host, I was a little bit bummed because it's not too often that you get that kind of opportunity, right? The last time I was at a Memorial Cup, it was in Saskatoon. Let's just put it that. And I just went out as as a fan to take that one in. Mm -hmm. But no no offense, Saskatchewan, but, you know, (laughs) Halifax, Saskatoon, Yeah, right? So... I'm thinking, ah, it's too bad because the Rangers loaded up and made their run last year, so the chances of us being at a Memorial Cup in Halifax in May of 2019, pretty slim. But Kelowna 2020, eh? Yeah. Come, <laughs> Mac. It's all about us all of a Come sudden. Come on. What a trip that would be. But I, I 
did some research ahead of time. And is the CHL starting to get the message with the Memorial Cup? If you can remember, in Regina, the fee for Regina to host... It's over $3 million, wasn't 3. it? $3.65 million. <laughs> Now, ahead of the tournament, the owner, one of the owners of the Regina Pats said, we are prepared and expecting to lose $2 million. You heard that correctly. They bid knowing that they were expected to lose $2 million. And that was ticket prices starting at $75 a game. You can be a Kitchener Rangers season ticket holder on East Ave for $752. Quick math, $22 a game. Now at the Memorial Cup, you're expected to pay $75 a game? That's insane. Now this year, because obviously, well, I guess Halifax, so next year, um, the, the cost that Halifax is paying is less than half of what Regina's paying. So less than $1.8 million. Right. Now they're offering packages to season ticket holders and 15 game pack holders at $320. That's 40 bucks a game. So it's still almost double what you would pay for a regular season game, but it's the Memorial Cup. It's the national championship. Right? Yep. But is that 40 bucks still and and they can do that because they have more seats to sell and they're not paying as much. But it's still $40 a game too much. I don't think so at all. And I'm probably a little jaded in this respect because I've been very fortunate to be working in this league for a lot of years that I haven't had to buy a ticket for a game anywhere. We get that little pass at the beginning of the year and we get to go to any game, playoff games included, and it doesn't cost us anything. But I don't think that $40 is out of whack for a championship. Because if you're a family of four, though, that's a quick 160. Yeah, but you gotta, you got what you what you have to look at is the comparisons to other entertainment options you may have. If you go to a movie as a family of four, you're you're north of a hundred bucks without breaking a sweat, and that's for a two hour movie. Right? I, I think there's something there. There is cachet to the national championship, and your point about. Uh, about Regina is is so well made, and that's been the long-standing argument about the World Juniors, this mm-hmm. this tournament that everybody in hockey looks forward to every year at Christmas, and you see empty seats all the time. Why do you think that is? Well, I'll tell you why that is, because you're putting the games in non-traditional junior hockey markets, and you're charging hundreds of dollars Per ticket, it, it just doesn't make sense when you can have a ticket to a game in this league on any regular season night for about 20 bucks. Now, that $40 in Halifax, again, is for season ticket holders and 15 game pack holders. If if you're just a general public, ticket pre- ticket packages are 350 and 450 before taxes. Okay, so that now that's the Memorial Cup price you're, yes. you're saying. Yes. For the entire package, though, 350 to 450 so that's nine games. 350 Eight games, right? Three fifty, depending on oh, the yeah, tiebreaker. tiebreaker yeah. Three fifty and four fifty, so forty three bucks or fifty six bucks. But that's before taxes too. Yeah, like that's uh, a lot of money. It's getting up there. It's getting up there. But what do you pay? But that's the and the prices that Halifax is offering are some of the lowest we've seen in years. 
If you remember back to Regina, it was the opening game. Regina, the oldest CHL team, hosting the opening game. They played in the opening game, and it wasn't even close to a sellout. You could, it looked like people were there dressed as seats. It was awful to watch. And if this is your national showcase on a national broadcaster, and many people are watching the CHL for the first time, how can you not make it more affordable? How can you not have better attendance? I've, the fee has long been too high. Is the CHL now getting, now going back and making it a little more affordable? I still don't think that that price point is where it needs to be. I think even to host at a price of under 1.8, you've outpriced the majority of your CHL. Steve Biankowski with the Kitchener Rangers came out last year and said, too expensive for us. Well, at 3.65. Of course. Right. At one and a half, maybe. Yeah. Right? But this has been an ongoing problem. I found a great quote from 2011. Ken Campbell of the Hockey News. A quote. Somewhere along the line, the people who organized this year's Memorial Cup, 2011. That's Mississauga. Forgot it's junior hockey they're selling. History tells us that of the approximately 80 players who will be playing for the four teams in the tournament, somewhere between a dozen and 15 of them will enter our consciousness later as full-time NHL players. But that hasn't stopped the OHL and the local organizers from trying to grab all the cash they can from the people they most certainly have taken for suckers. I think that's a little harsh. Of course. You have to remember that hosting the Memorial Cup is about so much more than just the actual hockey games. The hockey games are the number one draw for sure. But for a city like Halifax, as an example, there will be, well, and for any city that hosts the Memorial Cup, there is a tourism aspect to it. It's not just the hockey club that's putting up the money. The city gets involved Mm -hmm. in putting up some money as well. People will come. They will fill your hotels. If you do things right, if you have the means to do things right, and you create enough happening around the actual tournament, you've got a great concert here. You've got a great lineup of autograph signings over there. You're generating a little bit more to offset that cost. But more than anything, you are showing off your community, your hockey facility, your ability to hold a big event. Think of it like, on the smallest of scales, the Olympics, right? Why does any city anymore ever host the Olympics for the prestige of it? And that's why I think you're still seeing some people step up and want to host the Memorial Cup. I completely agree with you, and I think that what the the experience of a Memorial Cup, we saw it here in Kitchener with the hockey house outside and everybody walking around in their respective jerseys. It's great. We see it, and we saw it in Windsor. Again, great. It's good for the community if the price is right. But that price, I still think, is taking away from what junior hockey is. Anytime you talk to someone, the best part of junior hockey is the tiny little communities. Yeah. You will never see a Memorial Cup in Owen Sound. No. And that's a shame, isn't it? And that's just one city. Well, yes and no. You're right, but the facility could never host four teams over that much time. The community, no offense, I really do love Owen Sound. I do. I was up there on my motorcycle trip this year. It's a great community. But it doesn't have the infrastructure, hotel-wise, I wouldn't think, to sustain 
that kind of attention, and truly the, the arena alone would be a non-starter. Even Kingston would struggle, it's been talked about, because they don't have enough dressing rooms yeah. in the beautiful new building that they have. So it is tough, and, and you certainly have limited the number of teams that can get involved in the bidding. But I'm still a believer that the tournament is worth it at the right price. It, I don't know. I don't know if it is. Well, I, obviously it is if it's at the right price. Anything is if it's at the right price. Sure. But is that right price under 1.8? I don't know. Yeah. It's nice to see it come down because 3.65, when you know you're losing two, man, that's a hit. Well, didn't they lose? Who played the big concert? In Regina. Eagles. That's right. And they spent, wasn't it, was I right, like a million bucks? Uh, I don't know how much the concert cost, but that was a big part. Yeah. And it was part of the opening ceremony. They played it at Mosaic Field. And they knew. Or Mosaic Stadium. They knew coming in that this is a loss leader, right? Yeah. Anyway, it's not an easy solution. Your, your, Your point about the appeal of this game being the price of the ticket and the quality of play, the caliber of player is very well taken. And when you start asking junior hockey fans to, A, travel to another market, and B, pay double, triple, quadruple the regular price of a ticket, you're asking a lot. I'd love to see the Memorial Cup, final point on this, just come to junior hockey hotbeds, along with the uh, the World Juniors. Put them in junior hockey markets where fans really understand that level of the game. I think I want to see a three-team round-robin, or maybe maybe four teams. Do like the wild card, like the, like the GOJHL. Do four teams and have brackets, just like March Madness. Or, you know what, take the top four from each league. That'd be awesome. Travel obviously makes that a little tough, but it would be so cool. You want to just break the system, eh? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, you if, know what's a better investment? What's that? $752 for Kitchen Arranger season tickets. Not bad. Are you 22 trying to, bucks a game. Trying to pump them? Is that what's welcome. going on over here? Well, 86 were available this year at one point. Hey, listen. I I almost bought some myself this year, but, you know. Why? That's true. I get a seat in the press box. <laughs> Every say, single night. <laughs> I brought scotch. It's a good point. Keep it up, because we're going on the road next week. I know. A so, couple, uh, well... Like Don always did, pack those beers in the suitcase. It'll be mighty cold by the time we get up to the Sioux. We have Sioux, Saginaw, and... No, Sioux, Flint, then Saginaw. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a week from now. So we'll do a little bit more uh, road trip coverage. I think we'll actually record our next podcast from Sioux St. Marie. In the hotel room, maybe. Or at a fine local establishment. (laughs) We might find... Are there fine local establishments in the Sioux? There are a plenty. I found quite a few during the playoffs last year. An exciting time. It'll be nice to get back up there. I'm sure the feeling will be a little different. The lineups will be different. The broadcast, much the same. I'm glad we're going up at this time of the year. It's the right time to make the trip. What a treat. It is. Instead of the lone trip on a Sunday in the middle of January. We've also got Sarnia. Uh, this weekend for the Rangers. They're home Friday, home Sunday, and Sarnia sandwiched in the middle. We'll talk a little bit about the Progressive Auto Sales Arena on our next podcast, too. Question for you real quick. Last year, uh, it came to a a head in the playoffs, obviously, but there was uh, some bad blood, so to speak, between the Sarnia Sting and the Kitchener Rangers. Some returnees on both teams. Does that bleed over this Saturday? I don't think so. Me either. I hope it does. It'll be fun, but I doubt it. Really, I, I, I think a little bit will. 
I still think there's going to be a little bit there. For sure. You have to. You, you got knocked out by the Rangers last year in the playoffs. Yeah. If there's any, it'll be coming from that side, one would think. But I think the key combatants in that little uh, yeah. back and forth are, gone. Are, are all gone now. Yeah. But. Let, let us know what you think on Twitter, at Farwell underscore OHL and at underscore Chris Pope. Emails anytime, Mike at 570news.com. We take all kinds of feedback. Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll keep these podcasts coming every Friday. Let us know if we should start a hashtag of AskFNP or something like that. I feel like we could, a little more on Twitter, a little more interaction of what people want to hear us talk about or what they want from the podcast. Do you want more audio clips like we played of Don Cameron? Do you just want a Don Cameron podcast? <laughs> just straight, straight <laughs> audio calls? What do you want from us? Let us know. But uh, it's another week in the books. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. Had all, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.